0: This morning, I have a message for you that uh, I'm, you might say it's fresh off the presses, but this one never even made it to the presses. It, uh, you, thank you for everybody that was here last week that made the service last week what it was, just allowing the Holy Spirit to move the way that you did. That was, that was beautiful. That was awesome. Thank you. Now, I was going to be giving the lesson last week, and I had spent time studying and preparing, and uh, the foolish man that I am, I just assumed that the Lord would say, Hey, let's do this one next week. You know, we didn't do it last week. Let's just move it forward this week. It's a perfectly good sermon, spent time in it, uh, had all my, my points in order, had illustrations, had little one line zingers that would cause you to fall on your face in repentance. And this morning, as I got up, uh, just spending time with the Lord, as I do every day, he started saying, hey, let's do something else. And that could cause a bit of, uh, of nervousness in someone in my line of work. But I've done this enough that, it, that it's okay. I, but I just have to tell you this. I'm ringing just a little bit up here. Can you hear that? Ring. Ring. The first time that the Lord kind of threw me into something without giving me any kind of uh, advance notice, I mean, you know, 7.30 this morning was a lot of advance compared to this one. I was in a service one time. I was not doing the ministry. I was not even sitting on the front row. And there was a man that was up and he was preaching. And it was one of those you're going, wow, this is so good. Wow, you're just getting revelation downloaded. This is so good. And this man happened to be uh, a doctor. And back in those days, we had long services. And I guess that uh, he had gone a bit longer than he should have gone or needed to go. Because as we were getting really into the Word, really, really good, he stops. He looks at his watch and he goes, I have to be at the hospital in 30 minutes. Chris Bauer, come up here and finish this message for me. There was just a small puddle beneath me that that was like, how am I going to do that, Lord? Especially when you're, you're sitting there and you're going, oh, I've never heard it like this before. I've never heard it like this before. And then you have to jump up and, and preach. But I don't remember anything I said, but I guess it went okay. So this morning, the Lord just said, let's do something different. Um, thus I'm very old school, I don't even have my pad up here, these guys don't have any scriptures to put up, so you're going to have to be old school, you're going to have to pull out your Bible, or your pad, or your phone, or something, and actually look up the scripture, because it's not going to be up here on the walls, sorry, you forgive me already, I know, I know, it's terrible, isn't it, so we're going to go to the book of Ephesians, Book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And we're going to go through a couple of passages of Scripture here, one in chapter 1, one in chapter 3. This is what we call the Ephesian prayers. Not too long ago, I had started a fast, and the Lord had just put it on my heart to pray these prayers over myself every day. So if I mess up while I'm reading it and I say me instead of you or something like that, it's because I personalize it so much that it just kind of comes out that way. But that does bring me to a point that as we're reading this, don't read it as if Paul is writing this to somebody else. Read it as if it's being written to you. Because this is a promise to you. These are are coming out of the heart of God. This is not just Paul writing, saying, you know, I am so wise and I'm so intelligent, I can just write something really quick here and it'll minister to these these guys in Ephesus. He was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and as he was writing, (laughs) although Paul may have never stopped to think that the letter he was writing to Ephesus, that over 2,000 years later, that it would still be being used in the body of Christ. He may have never even thought that. You do do know that when Paul stops and talks about scripture and he says all scripture is given by inspiration, he was really talking about the Old Testament. He wasn't necessarily talking about the things that he was writing. But the Holy Spirit knew that these writings would be taken and they would be put in this book that we call the Bible and we would consider them Holy Scripture. And it is meant to speak to you and to speak to your heart and to bring revelation to your heart as much today as it was in the year that Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. To you. Make this very, very personal. All right? Okay, starting in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Now in brackets right here, because I like to draw in my Bible. Is anybody in here drawing their Bibles? I just put, I love getting new Bibles. This is, this is my new Bible. I love new Bibles. They smell good. They feel good. I like new Bibles. So this is my, my new Bible. And right here, I've got in brackets... I do not cease to give thanks. Can that be said about your heart? I do not cease to give thanks. There's other places that say, in all things, give thanks. We sometimes are quite spoiled. You know, Roger was talking about it this morning. We have a stripped-down band this morning. The lights weren't re- really where we expected them to be just when we were starting this morning. We were having to call people to come up here and put in words for the worship this morning. All kinds of things, all kinds of craziness going on this morning. But in the midst of that, can we just say, Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you. Not for the craziness, but because you're God. God. You're good. No matter what, are we worshipers or are we people that read the words off the wall? If all we do is read the words off the wall, we're never gonna connect with God the way he wants to connect with us. He wants people that worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for people that that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because worship happens no matter what. I'm pretty sure, now we're not going to take a show of hands, but I'm pretty sure nobody in this room has been thrown in a Roman prison after you have been beaten for doing what God told you to do. Yet Paul had been. Paul got thrown into a Roman prison by doing exactly what God told him to do. If you read in the book of Acts, he says, hey, we were gonna go over here, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us go over here. And then I had a dream that said, come over here. So we went over there, went exactly where God told him to go. And what happens? They got thrown in jail. They got beaten, they got whipped, they got thrown in jail. And don't you think that we would have been upset with God? I'll tell you, I would have been. I would have been. I was trying to work on my own plumbing just a couple weeks ago and making a mess of it. There's a big difference between plumbing and being beaten and thrown in jail, right? Yet I was sitting there like a child on the floor with water all around me going, God, you're not being good to me. Yet here is Paul and Silas. They've been, this, this is Silas's first trip. <laughs> He's heard all these things. Hey, you want to go along with the Apostle Paul? It'll be awesome. His first trip, his first stop. <laughs> they whipped him and threw him in prison. He goes, I'm not going with you anymore. <laughs> Yet, Paul, it says at midnight. At midnight. I would have already grumbled and complained and fallen asleep. Yet at midnight, it says that they were worshiping. They were worshiping. Can it be said of our heart that I do not cease to give thanks? Even when things don't look like they're going my way. I do not cease to give thanks. I'm not giving thanks for the issue. I don't think Paul was going, thank you, God, I just got beaten. But in the midst of it, in the midst of it, he did not cease to give thanks. That's the type of people that the Lord's looking to pour his power through, pour his spirit through, pour his goodness through. You know why? Because we're not focused on us. When I get focused on me, I get really whiny. When I get focused on me, I get really grouchy. But when we start focusing on others, you know, no matter how bad your situation is, there's somebody you can love on. No matter how bad it is, there is somebody that needs to hear about Jesus through you. So do not cease to give thanks. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I want to park here for just a second. I don't know how to fully express to you what goes on in my heart, what goes on in my mind, what goes on in my emotions when I'm just connecting with the Lord. But this morning, before God said, hey, let's get up and talk about this, I, I, I was praying these prayers. And I got to that part about the Father of glory. And I could barely handle it. And I just closed my eyes. I just closed my eyes, and I begin to just picture this father of glory, this, this one that we serve. This father of glory, that Isaiah said, "His train fills the temple." His robes fill the temple. That Daniel said he sits on a throne, a fiery throne. Can you imagine the glory of God? No matter what, we can imagine in our head it's better. No matter, I don't care how much of an imagination you have, it's better. And I just, I try to see that father of glory. That's who I serve. I don't serve a weak God. I don't serve a God that can be defeated. I serve a God whose enemies have been made his footstool. That's who I serve. I serve a God who his enemies have to crawl in before him on their hands and knees, and he just puts his feet up on them. That's our God. The God of glory. This God of glory That's who I want to connect with. That's who I want to see. And I was reading Daniel just last week, and I was getting jealous in my heart. I was getting jealous in my heart as as he is having these visions and seeing these things. I read Isaiah 6 there, where it says that he was caught up into the presence of God, and I just start to get jealous. I want to see and experience God. I don't want somebody just to tell me about God. I love hearing your experience, but I want to experience him. I want to experience him. And I would probably be very much like Isaiah. You get in the presence of God, he falls on his face going, I'm a man of unclean lips. (laughs) That God of glory. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to take all day, Lord, if I keep stopping. I do not cease to give thanks remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to know him. I want to know him. And I've got a promise right here that not only can I know him, but he's going to give me a spirit of wisdom and of revelation just so I can know him. He so connect, wants to connect with me, he wants to pour his spirit out in such a way that I can have wisdom, that I can have revelation just of him. I want to know him. And when I pray these things in the morning, It takes me a lot longer than it's going to take this morning because I just get caught up in this stuff. God, God, I thank you. I thank you that you have given me this spirit of wisdom and this spirit of revelation just so I can know you better, just so I can know you more deeply, just so I can come into your presence. Just to know him. You know that's why we're here? It's to know him. To know Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Another translation says having the eyes of your understanding. The eyes of your understanding enlightened. Why? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. He was not just writing this to pastors. He was writing this to the whole church at Ephesus. And he said, you need to have your eyes open so you will know what is the hope that I've called you to. Because each and every one of us, when we come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, we are called with a purpose. We are called to something. We are called to be a part of the body. We are called to be a part of God's end-time army. Saving, healing, setting free. That's who we are. Sometimes we read it and we just think, man, wouldn't it have been awesome to have been back then? Wouldn't it have been awesome to have lived in the book of Acts? The book of Acts never ended. Am I yelling? I'm sorry. (laughs) The book of Acts has never ended. There's a whole doctrine out there that said, when the last apostle died, all the miracles, everything stopped with the last apostle. Thank God we still got apostles. Thank God we still have called people. Thank God we still have people in the body that God anoints to do great and amazing things. And guess what? You're one of them. You're one of them. You're called, equipped, anointed, purposed. So when you sit there and the enemy tells you you have no purpose, that you have nothing, you're purposed in the kingdom of God. And if you're not being who God has called you to be, the rest of us are missing out. We need you. We need you. We need you to know what is the hope of your calling. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe here's the question do you believe do you believe i'm not asking you do you believe that jesus died on the cross so to pay for our sins i'm asking you do you believe this right here do you believe that there is a measurable greatness and power for you There is immeasurable greatness and power when you believe. According to the working of his great might. Now when he's talking about this this immeasurable greatness, this immeasurable power, what does he liken it to? He says this great, this great might, this great power, the same great might and power that he worked. Who's he? God the Father. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same, we sang the song, said something about resurrection life, right? The same resurrection life that was in Jesus, the same resurrection life that God the Father and the Holy Spirit poured into Jesus to raise him from the dead, now dwells in us. That's scripture, if you didn't know, that's Romans chapter eight. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Man, this is much better than your response. I'm telling you, this is who we've been called to be. This is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be. Little Jesus is going around doing the work of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you're deity. Don't walk out of here saying, well, Pastor Chris said we were all. (laughs) No. The word Christian means little Christ. Little Christian. Christ was not Jesus' last name. It was his anointing. Okay, And you are anointed, you are anointed, you are anointed, you are anointed. You are anointed to carry the message of Jesus. You're anointed to do the works of Jesus. Wherever you go. When Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, the literal translation of that is, as you're going... As you're going, you don't have to go to the other side of the world to make a disciple. He's just saying, as you're going, as you go, make disciples. As you go, love people in my name. As you go, be who I've called you to be. Amen. That's right. As you go, be the life, the love, the hands, the eyes, the feet of Jesus. But see, the enemy's convinced you you can't do it. The enemy has convinced you because you've made a mistake or because you don't know the Bible well enough that you can't do it. And that's not the truth. That is not the truth. I heard a story when I was in Bible college of a young man, a Native American man, who uh, got saved on the reservation, didn't know anything about the Bible except a few things that he had heard but he felt this overwhelming compulsion to tell people about Jesus. And he was telling so many people about Jesus that they started setting up chairs so they could listen to him talk about Jesus. Well, he hadn't had Bible school. You know, he's not been to seminary. Doesn't have PhD at the end of his name. As Brother Hagin used to say, that stands for post hole digger. (laughs) Nothing wrong with education. Be educated. But education does not increase the anointing. Right. The anointing was on this young man to, to preach the word, and he preached so hard, people started setting up chairs and listening to him. And this Raymond instructor that was telling the story said he happened to be on the reservation. And he, he stopped to listen to this man. And he said this, this young man was preaching a message about Paul, his wife Silas, and his son Timothy. <laughs> And if that went over your head, Silas was not a girl. Okay. He's preaching this message, and this Rama instructor is standing back there going, "Whoa, somebody needs to teach him." But he gave an altar call, and people were getting saved. God can work through our stupidity. I promise you. Here's an example. Mm -hmm. that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in in the age to come. One of the reasons I read this every day and I pray this every day I'm not saying I'm going to do it for the rest of my life but right now the Lord has me doing it Because I'm reminding myself who Jesus is. I'm reminding myself of who Jesus is. That Jesus, Jesus is seated at right hand in heavenly places. Jesus is seated besides God. If you go down into chapter 2 here, it will say that we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. But it reminds me that no matter what the situation is, it has a name. It has a name. And Jesus is far above every name that is named. The name of Jesus is more powerful than anything that the enemy could ever come up with. When we're speaking it in faith, Not using it as a cuss word. That the name of Jesus is far above anything that you will ever face. That it's all been placed underneath Him. Once again it says that He has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. The church which is His body. The church which is the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Just real quickly, flip over to chapter 3. I'm not going to take as much time. I just want to point out just a couple of things here. I'm going to read it. Chapter 3, verse 14. says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, everything finds its identity in God. Amen. Even evil is identified as, as apart from God. Yes. Nothing has any identity except how it's identified in God and by God. So everything on the earth, when it says every family in heaven and earth is named, everything finds its identity in Christ, in God that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You ever just felt empty? You ever just felt empty? I have. But He's saying we can be strengthened through the Spirit of God in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of love. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Another translation says, so that you will know how deep And how precious the love of God is, even though his love is so expansive, it's hard to really know it all. God's love is so big and so deep and never runs out. And he's saying, come and know that love. Come and know that love. He wants you to know the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of that love. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you, I just want to point this out one last time before I end. How many of you in here are a you? A Y-O-U. I'm a you, you're a you. Yous is all yous, right? It didn't say that we may all that collectively we could be filled up with God? He said, so you could. So you could. So you individually can be filled with God. I think we're limiting Him and how He works through us, what He can do through us. Now unto Him who is able to do far more abundantly, say far more abundantly, than all that we can ask or think. Do you ask or think? Do you think when you ask? Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I think a lot. I ask a lot. But he's able to do far more abundantly. According to the power that works in us. (laughs) According to his power working in us. Well, I think a lot and I ask a lot, but is the power working in you? Are you connecting with the power of God? Are you connecting with who he wants you to be? Because when we begin to connect with who he has called us to be, when we connect with that power of God, he said, I'm going to do far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. So if you're sitting there going, well, God's not doing far more abundantly than I ask or think, ask yourself, am I really connected to the spirit and the power of God? It's just a little adjustment. okay? I'm not not saying that that God's wanting to, to throw you into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's just a little adjustment. Connect with His power. Connect with His purpose. Connect with who He's called you to be. And then see. See how much more He wants to do through you than He has been doing through you. To Him be glory in all the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. Let me encourage you. Don't do it because I do it. If the Lord lays this on your heart, meditate on those prayers. Chapter 1, chapter 3. Read those prayers. Let it get down in here. Because it's not enough for it to be up here. When I was in the second grade and and my parents were just getting saved and getting into uh, being who God had called them to be, they decided that we needed to confess Scripture every day. And being in second grade, I guess my mom said, we will start with the very most basic of Scripture. So in the second grade, I learned John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice it still comes out in King James. (laughs) I could quote that scripture in second grade. I got saved my sophomore year of of college. So as I heard a preacher say one time, what you confess, you must possess. Possess. It needs to be in you. It needs to be live in you. Pray these over your family. Pray these over yourself. Nobody has more authority to speak life into your situation than you. Nobody has more authority to pray for your family than you. Pray these over your family. Connect with the Spirit and the power of God. Let him change the way that you think about.